Slow fade. <laughs> it just occurred to me that no one else could hear that music. <laughs> oh, wait, it's back. Oh, shit. I think that they still can't hear it. <laughs> All right. So, what are we listening to? I have no idea you put it on. Here, I'll read it. All right. Surge. <laughs> <laughs> AFX Orphan DJ Select 2006 to 2008. A good vintage. Yeah. Yeah. So this is I Don't Hate This, the Avantist Guard podcast. Uh, joining me as always is my co-host Nina Lithoff. <laughs> Ahoy. Lithoff. And we are today joined by our first guest, and I mean ever. What? What? Oh, it's summer last week, but that didn't oh, that was a studio audience. Oh, that's right. They're not that guests. Studio audience. Yeah, we didn't. T- uh, yeah. Um. So we are joined here with Brandon Alvendia. Woo! Thanks for having Clap. me. Clap. Clap. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you. Thank you. You shouldn't have. <laughs> Uh, I don't know in post. Yeah, yeah. Double it up. <laughs> is, there a post? is this live? I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> it's live in the past. Yeah. Um, I Don't Hate This is recorded in front of a live studio audience and broadcast in stereo where available. <laughs> I looked that up the other day and it was 1984. There was a New York Times headline that was literally television program to be broadcast in stereo. <laughs> That is a Encore subtitle I've ever heard one. And it was like CBS announced that they would be broadcasting a television program in stereo in the next season. Wait, do people watch TV with headphones or was this like when people got stereo sound? I guess this is when they started making televisions with two speakers instead of just one. And they also started making the Macintosh. Yes. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. 1984. That's a that's a commercial reference. It was I wasn't even alive, and I still know that. And I still remember. I it. still remember it. It's part of the collective unconscious. Yes. So. Um, so Eric, why is Brandon here? Or why are we at Brandon's? Why? Are, yeah. Did you guys tell it was uh, Echo? Echo. Echo. Um, we are sitting in an exhibition called "The Great Good Place." I can never remember at the name three of Three Walls yeah. Gallery in Chicago, Illinois. Shh, don't tell people we're in Chicago. Oh, we want people to no. think. No, okay. Uh, it's in New York. <laughs> New York, Brooklyn. Antwerp. Um, and um, we are sitting in the, what we are calling the, what's on the checklist? It is the rear gallery. <laughs> checklist rear. of which eight copies were printed. Now we have one left. Um, rear gallery. We are sitting in a very large table, um, recording a podcast, and this Who's is there. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> table. Um, and um, yeah, so we are now in second or first bit of programming for the show, which is to record this. And the um, I don't know. Brandon, have you ever been on a podcast? Before? No, this is why this is weird. <gasps> All yeah. right, amazing. He's going through Momentous, that existential crisis of listening to your voice and headphones. Yeah. It's and like, like the blah, sound blah, different blah. than you know the Richard Serra boomerang piece, right? With where Nancy Holtz on the headphones and she hears her own voice, but it's like slightly delayed. Yeah, that no, happens like that. to my phone sometimes, and it makes me crazy. Yeah. Eric, the uh, first stereo TV broadcast in 1984 was The Tonight Show with uh, Johnny Carson. Oh, Thank you, hey. Andre. The only uh, facility that was outfitted was the uh, 
broadcast facility of the NBC uh, flagship uh, studio in New York. Yeah, I think the, the other hit I got was a little bit later when CBS was going to try their hand at it. But uh, let's some uh, weird wild stuff. Why, why were you looking that up? Because I like, well, because our last episode was the first time we recorded in front of a live studio audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're too young to remember this, but things like the Cosby show used to be Isn't recorded. he that rapist? Yes. <laughs> Is that too soon? Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you not want to talk about that, Brandon? I, no, not really. <laughs> We are not going to talk about okay. that, but I just... Well, but there used to be a lot of, there used to be a lot of sitcoms, and they would always be broadcast, or they would say they were they, they were taped or recorded in front of a live studio audience. And I've then, seen Full House. Like, don't even worry Right, about okay, it. so let's go in that direction. Um, and they would always have, like, the cutest member of the cast say, like... Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Yeah, they're like, step by step, it's recorded in front of a studio audience. And then while they said that, the bottom of the screen would say, in stereo. <laughs> We're available. <laughs> and then someone else would be at closed captioning provided by, and then they would be like, uh, yeah, they, um, Menards. I love, my favorite closed captioning is on Jeopardy when uh, it's always like preparation age or some old people creep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I thought you were saying you like the captioning because they always have trouble captioning in the form of a question. Yeah, <laughs> they always have trouble because uh, Alex Trebek needs to pronounce the word yeah. like in, in an accent. Oh, yeah. That guy is such a dick. But I love Jeffrey. <laughs> so, uh, before we jump into the main part of our uh, episode, this conversation Eric with Brandon. Eric has a story to tell Yeah, us. we have some miscellany. So, uh, a few episodes ago. And I promise not to interrupt you while you tell Thank it. you. Um, I really promise this time. Uh, I really, really won't interrupt you. <laughs> I get it. Knock, knock. No. <laughs> is this the interrupting cow joke? Knock knock. Who's there? Interrupting vegetarian. Oh. Why? Do you even know what the ingredients in a hot dog are? Oh. That um and entrails. The ends. <laughs> the ends meet. The rear gallery. So I just I'm still getting acclimated here. Yeah, this is how it goes. (laughs) Welcome. Okay, we have so much to show you. Or was it um, Paduan? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There we go. That's that. That's the sound. Cue cue camera. (laughs) (laughs) So a few episodes ago, um, Nina was talking about. Uh, her family household and and there's more to that story um, the Lidoff household uh, in the attic there once lived a group of bachelor squirrels that subsisted on Doritos and one of those squirrels uh, started dating a chipmunk um, and the other the other bachelor squirrels were like whoa dude that's crazy and and he's like I don't know I think she's cute I, you know I know it's a little unconventional but you know, we have a we have an understanding. So on one of those dates, uh, he brought up his favorite kind of music, which was jazz. And he's like, do you like jazz? And then she was all nervous and was like, oh, I just better say yes. I want to impress him. So she said, yeah, I like jazz. Um, and then later she got home, was talking to her sister. The chipmunk was and they're like, 
you know, how'd it go? And she's like, it was, we were getting real serious. And then he asked me if I like jazz. And she's like, jazz, how could you say that? And you're like, what, what is jazz? And she's like, I don't know. I just wanted to impress him. And her sister's like, what if that's some weird sex move? And you said you liked it. And uh, so she gets really nervous. And uh, so then she breaks it off with him. And then years later, she's like a chipmunk wife with her little baby chipmunks. Every time, you know, she's doing the dishes, wistfully wondering whatever happened to that squirrel. So now that the, the chipmunk part is taken from a David Sedaris story from his book, Squirrel Meets Chipmunk. But we didn't, what Sedaris... Yeah, so for, that, all, we, that was just a recap. From yeah, you. so what Sedaris... And most of that story was true. Yeah. So what Sedaris, <laughs> you know, he didn't talk about the bachelor pad situation with the other squirrels. So then he comes back later, you know, and... Um, He's like, she broke my heart. And like, we told you not to get involved with the chipmunk, man. And um, so anyway, he, he uh, ends up going to flight school and becomes a pilot. And then uh, he marries a squirrel. And then his, uh, his squirrel wife's always worried that whenever he's flying, he's going to get in a crash or something. So she's all, she develops a drinking problem. And that's the story of the flying squirrel. So the other story we have... <laughs> That's amazing. That was basically like wow. you didn't. Add, I thought it was gonna have like a really. That's the point. The poignant part is the moment where she's like drinking vodka in the middle of the day, worrying about her husband who's a pilot. Maybe he's gonna crash a whole plane full of squirrels into no, something. No, no, but like, but then she like looks over the window in the house next door and she sees this chipmunk doing the dishes across the. Oh bay, no, no, they live in a segregated neighborhood. Yeah, the chipmunk that. lives on the other side of town. <laughs> On the wrong side of the tracks. Well, honestly, I do imagine that the squirrel lives in a I nice house. I just want the, the chipmunk- alcoholic yeah. squirrel and the wistful homemaker chipmunk to have a lesbian affair. Is that too much to ask? Yeah, because that's not part of the story. <laughs> you made the story up. Yeah. I just want to inject oh, that's, okay. my part that's of the story. That's not a true story? No. Okay. <laughs> Chipmunks can't fly. Was, okay. Their squirrels can't. The, well, like, that's the so irony. Is that they don't really fly. fly. They're more like float down yeah they glide yeah. squirrels yeah. can't become alcoholics that's uh, the yeah. incorrect part of the story uh, yeah they don't they drink uh nut whiskey nut milk nut milk yeah Ugh. <laughs> nut milk <laughs> you, you know what so speaking of nut <laughs> humans milk humans drink uh, nut milk <laughs> you bunch of jerks um the lactose intolerant among us drink nut milk and it's great i thought the soy was a bean well, you can legume. also have almond milk. That's oh. a nut. Is it? I had soy milk this morning. I I'm don't not... believe the almond is a nut. Is you know it what? A Go le- fuck legume? yourself. No, okay, phone you. getting out. It's a legume, I think. No, peanuts are a legume. Like they're neither. They're like you. They are neither peas nor nuts. Um, so also we have. You're a, nuts. I am. I'm nuts about art. <laughs> He's like, what did I get myself yeah. into? Says, Brandon. <laughs> Says Brandon's eyes. Brandon, I know you've never listened to I Don't Hate yeah. This before. You don't have to lie. The almond is a fruit related closely to the cherry. Mm. It yeah, is well, a stone fruit. Have you ever drank cherry milk? No. So. <laughs> oh, but I have drank Coke cherry. So the other miscellaneous, <laughs> uh, we were talking about Drake oh, and his yeah. influence on art in yeah. that it's not much, but. Um, <laughs> but W Magazine seems to think so. Yeah. But Andre has a great story about. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry I said that Drake. you could go fuck yourself. Can you tell us your story? I was, uh, I guess it was in um, June of 2014. I was at a uh, Brooklyn Nets Toronto Raptors playoff game at the Barclays Center in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And 
being a playoff game and being uh, Toronto Raptors are there. Uh, one of the people in attendance down in the first uh, row was Drake. And, you know, he's a huge uh, Toronto Raptors fan, and this was at the Barclays Center where the, the Nets play their home games. So the, the place is full of Nets fans. And uh, at one point during the game, uh, the, the camera operator gets a, a real nice shot of Drake and displays it up on the big uh, screen up at the near the ceiling. So everybody in the uh, in the Barclays Center starts to boo, and you can see that Drake has no idea why this is happening, and he's looking around. <laughs> Who are they booing at? Yeah, what's what happened? And he looks up and he sees that he's on the 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 display, and he gives one of these. Dang nabbit! <laughs> <laughs> and then they cut away. But he looks—he looked like Mr. Wilson <laughs> when somebody, when when Dennis had stolen uh, a, a fruit pie out of the <laughs> out of the windowsill. He was—he was clearly uh, in that moment such a crotchety old man. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. Is Drake his first name or his last name? His last name. His what? first name is Aubrey. Ooh, okay. Oh, that's why people make fun of him. Worse for him. Well, to be fair, that is an accurate use of the name Aubrey. That's the masculine version of Audrey. Hmm. So, uh, Brandon, <laughs> <laughs> are you still here? I am. Yeah, sorry. Uh, is Brandon the, the masculine version of the name Brenda? I don't know. Br- Brenda? <laughs> didn't and make Brandon. any sense. No, Brendan know. is. I was just Brendan. trying to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan. I think it's uh, Brandy is the female. Brandy. Erica would be Eric. And what, what's the masculine version of Nina? Nino. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Boom. High five. Yeah. In college, people used to call me El Nino. Nice. Maybe like unleash your storm. She comes in like a storm. Yeah. Um, Literally, actually, yeah. I will answer to El Nino. Okay. <laughs> I, no one's called me that in a while, but multiple people have independently decided to call me that, so... I guess it's out in the world now. I can't take it back. The experts agree. Uh, and what's the version of Andrew? Andre? Andrea? Andrea. Oh, yeah. Andrea. That's pretty. Um, I had a friend named Eric in high school, and his sister was named Erica. Whoa. <laughs> Were they twins? No. I've received a note that uh, Drake's last name is Graham. His middle name is Drake. Maybe. 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 Or maybe. Not. maybe. We're receiving communication. Wait. Beep, 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 beep. Okay, so um, we could start a number of places in our conversation. We could um, sort of tie it into our Konmari thing. Maybe that's the best way to start. Well, how are you feeling? Like, what's good? Good. I'm just soaking it all in. Good. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about the show? The show is. Yeah. I feel good about it. Wait, yeah, which the show? show. This show or the, the show? The show within the show. Oh yeah, because we are on a show inside your show. Yeah. Whoa, there's this actually is, there are actually like three different shows. shows three inside or this four? Show. How many shows are inside this show? Um, probably maybe four. Yeah, nice. we can count. Yeah, <laughs> let's see. One, there's the office. Two, there's... three, six, four, five, six. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do we define what a show is? Ooh. Yeah, right. Ooh. Do you want to? Do you want to give a little sort of breakdown of of what's going the on here? Or, oh, yeah. okay. 
So the show involves um, a number of artists or artists slash curators or artists run uh, projects or spaces to outfit the different galleries in the three walls with either work that they have made or curated in. So we have um, a few uh, projects that are collections of curated pieces and others that are um, actually made by the artists who run the spaces, such as the one behind Nina here, which is um, two posters made by Roots and Culture. It was uh, run by Eric May, runs a gallery on Milwaukee Avenue in Chicago. Oh, no, I, I said Chicago again. I can't say Chicago. We're not in Chicago. No. It's on Worcester Street. Yeah. By and, Houston. Um, and there were posters, uh, posters that were made in reference to the after party, which was uh, hosted mm -hmm. here after the uh, opening and involved the creation of and serving of two sandwiches and a 30 rack of wings. Wow. And um, Were these giant sandwiches? They were pretty big. They were probably about three feet long each. Well, jeez. Yeah. Cut into one inch sections though party so, sub i yeah. had one of those at my bat mitzvah yeah nice so um <laughs> yeah a call out to the audience who was at that party <laughs> well, what that was a good sandwich <laughs> it was it was from captain nemo's nice um, i think i used to babysit for a guy named eric may <laughs> i don't think it's the same person <laughs> babysit a person who's older than you yeah. is very, you know. <laughs> When you're a child. Yeah. 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 I was a really prolific. With the mister. I was like a really You're going like, to bed. That's a baby babysitter. babysitter. Yeah. She was a babysitter. Got it? Like, because the a baby, baby's in charge. A baby babysitter. Yeah. Like, like, uh, I'd watch that show. <laughs> I'd watch that show where the baby's in charge. Whoa. What's going on? Work getting done over yeah. there. <laughs> There's some noise. People moving stuff around. Yeah, furniture. So, um, so your whole, your proposal was this show, like that wasn't, that was the, the idea along was all along was organizing something that included multiple participants. Correct. So it is, um, part of their solo exhibition series and it, the idea sprouted about, about a year ago, getting close to a year ago, um, when I had proposed a, um, project, which is con continuing right now in the space as we are talking, which is a publication platform, which is going to be taking an online form and print form, which tracks and looks at artist-run culture, alternative mm -hmm. spaces around the country. So that was presented in f January of last year, or this year, um, at Prospect 3 oh, Independent right. Curators International Symposium. Um, where I presented the project and also workshopped the ideas at their intensive, which was held in New Orleans. And so um, the project was presented here to think about Chicago as a place where a lot of alternative projects happen and people thinking about creating alternative structures that are not, either non-commercial or uh, non-for-profit non type of thing. So, But um, this particular institution that we're in right now is not an artist-run space. No, it is um, it is a not-for-profit. Three uh, Walls. Three Walls mm -hmm. is a not-for-profit 501c3 that has a board of directors and has, um, you know, employees and um, an infrastructure that can accommodate and really support a lot of these projects. So working with the team here has been not an artist-run 
type of project where I was getting actually kind of um, learning a lot about, oh, wow, someone will help me with this now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is great. So we it was really... Money for, yeah. There was, was beers in the fridge when we got here. There was beers in the here. fridge <laughs> and Perrier. I, I, get, I feel very um, proud every time I can offer a Perrier to somebody yeah. here. And even guests will offer to the other guests mm-hmm. Perrier. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, but we are getting through some of those cases so we should pace ourselves okay slow yeah. down everyone okay you heard it um, the you heard it here for <laughs> yeah plebes perry is a non-renewable resource <laughs> yeah um would actually dehydrate you because of all the minerals oh, i've been told shit. so it's wow. not for after a run <laughs> that explains I why it doesn't quench my thirst a after a run it's basically drinking salt pure salt whoa wouldn't that be good for you after? Whatever. Okay, we're not going to talk about the various well, you hydration need to re- benefits. You of need well, the reason why I like thinking about the Perrier is because it reminds me of way back when, when Grolsch was supporting yeah. art. And their very interesting attempt to infuse the art world with Grolsch imagery Grolsch? and Grolsch. Grolsch it's is a great a, beer. It's a really mediocre beer. <laughs> um, pretty tasteless. But when offered for free to people, then you know they'll drink it. But the interesting it's probably a lager. Well, it's definitely I think a, lager. It's a lager. Might be a type of pilsner. You know, why? Which is why I like it. Why? Yes. Why? Bud dry. He I gets took, it. I took it. I took it from you. Me. Oh, he um, yes and it. Yes. But the um, and that was like at least two years of Grilsch sponsoring shows. Mm-hmm. But I think no one ever actually went out and bought a Grilsch after that. And partially because oh. I think the bottles, the swing top bottles, swing top. were only. What beer? Well, that became what a big beer thing. that would sponsor art? Would you be like, yeah, I'm gonna buy that? Like, I was pretty happy with Grolsch. <laughs> <laughs> like, how good would this beer have to be for you to be like, you sponsored my art? I'm gonna spend money. Well, it would be cool if Chicago breweries, you know, like Revolution or Half Acre. Or yeah. There was some Revolution in the house. I don't know if that was sponsored or purchased. Oh. I can't remember, but it was. Don't buy local. Ask the local people to, to donate it to, it to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the other thing, what was cool, though, about the Grosch thing was then there were a couple homebrew people that would uh, bring, like, and I remember seeing this in the alley, which is now blocked off because it's like a barbecue nightclub around here. Have you seen <laughs> well, in the back? That's yeah. I was, yeah, we did a little um, photo shoot, and it still had the Vedanta oh, loading wow. dock nice. logo and also um, other spaces back there. And they have definitely co-opted that yeah, cause I was, public space as a little garden yeah, because I was trying to cut through the the alley over here, and it's like it's got lines in different ways in, and you can smell this barbecue coming out. So I just had to go around. But I remember in the Grolsch times, back in the Grolsch days, uh, the seeing good, like, good Grolsch days. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, seeing like a station wagon of like plastic crates, and you know various competing homebrew dudes would come to all the Grolsch sponsored openings and just like grab all the bottles because they would like use that gasket. It had this like old milk bottle. Bottles? Yeah, because they were very oh. heavy green bottles, like heavy glass, like the kind like where you would leave your milk bottles almost. Milk. Yeah. With milk. An e. With an E. Yes. Yeah. Um, what's the problem? I don't understand why people keep oh. asking me. Um, and they have that sort of the metal top with the, the stopper and the gasket. So this was a good way to... F- you know, individually ferment homebrew. So I remember, so that was kind of a good result of the Grolsch thing. Like you, if you want to buy those bottles, it costs more, it's cheaper to just buy beer 
made, sold in those bottles and then just pour and out the beer. Pour the beer, yeah. <laughs> but you can't. They don't sell them. They're only for promotional uh, use. So uh, well, it would have been smart. I mean, these guys were maybe selling the bottles. Uh, so. Oh, maybe they were selling them. But because I, I do know, because then I would go to other apartment shows, and then there would be homebrew being sold for a donation that was made in the gross from like yeah. the opening from last month. Oh yeah, yeah, there was like a at the opening for this show. There was like a donation for the booze, but I just went up and just started getting some, and I was like, "I'm in the show." Like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't even have to say that, but I just started taking <laughs> alcohol without paying for it, and I thought that was just like a thing you could do. Is that a thing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? Somebody says something about it says donation, not suggested donation. <laughs> that was what me. does that mean? That's the me. difference. <laughs> so to suggest a donation is like a little more. Like, okay. Yeah, which is... Well, it's like, I suggest it, but I'm going to not take your yeah, suggestion. Exactly. <laughs> Noted. Thanks. <laughs> well, it was like all the mandatory donations at the Venice Biennale, right? <laughs> yeah. No. Like, to get the Rickert Terra brick, it was like a suggested mandatory 10-euro 10, 10 <laughs> donation to get a free brick. It was like free brick with required suggested donation of 10 euros. <laughs> did you buy a brick? I did. Or, I'm sorry, did, did you donate I a donated brick? a brick, so I did enjoy um, lugging that back to the States, but I also did enjoy my where my money went, which was, what was it for? Do you remember? <laughs> Humanitarian <laughs> exactly, something. Exactly. Yeah. The human fund? Exactly. Uh, you should throw that brick through the window of something. That would probably oh, yeah. be good. Um, where does Gavin Brown Enterprise? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was thinking like the Chinese consulate or something. Oh, and then, shit. Like, <laughs> Well, because of, not, like, human rights abuse, oh, okay. right? Yeah, Like, something sure. like free yes. Tibet, wrap it around the brick and throw it through the window. Mm. Come on, people. Let's get the, the boots on the ground. The something about stop work, stop yeah. working. Yeah, something. which I thought, yeah. You it's should like, just it's throw it through, work, the, through the through window labor of work. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> throw it like, at your job. Yeah. My job. <laughs> throw it at your boss. I'll <laughs> 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 be like, well, what was that? And you're like, it says stop work. And he's like, is it in Chinese? I didn't get it. Why did? Yeah, don't get it once he gets it with the brick. Yeah, I I did like that because it's like, don't work. And then they had this dude working there who's like, every time you made a donation, he had to like wrap up the brick for you. I don't know. Maybe he was volunteering his time, but. He undoubtedly he was because he was credit. a part of art. Yeah, he was definitely performing labor in exchange for something. Being in the Venice Biennale. Yeah. Yeah. Hanging out for eight hours. I'm sure that Rick Ritt, Terra Venetia, made him sign a waiver that says, I am not in the Venice Biennale. Oh. That's why he was wearing that T-shirt that said, I'm not <laughs> Oh, I wish I had. I this wish that I had thought to make you that shirt before. Yeah. The oh, the 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 shirt idea I came up with. That's the my other T-shirt is in the Whitney Biennial. <laughs> Twenty seventeen. I. Uh, God, I can make you that shirt now because I have those stencils that oh. I made my Aunt Kawara shirt with. Oh, sweet! That you guys may have seen that I wore for Halloween. Uh, so. I'll get on it. Sweet. Wait, what's it going to say? Just My other shirt day? is in the Whitney by any. Oh, yeah. It could say whatever you want. I can make you some shirts is what I'm saying. I have fabric paint. You got to provide the shirt. <laughs> um, what, shirts ain't free. What, what were you wanting to say, Andre? Uh, is the biennial skipping a year? Yeah, believe <laughs> Yeah, it is skipping a year. That's what? we had this. The there's a very long conversation going on in the art world, which was like, I thought it was every two years. <laughs> well, somebody asked me what the uh, Chicago Architecture Biennial was, and and I was like, well, this is the inaugural uh-huh. biennial, so yeah. like, if it never happens again, they still got to call it a biennial, right? <laughs> well, was that, that was that something I was talking to you about, Brandon, in the past? Like a 
felt like we had this idea of like having a Chicago biennial, but the first year, like we announced it and then we have two years to make it happen. Like, well, it's the Chicago biennial. So like it's going to happen two years from now. Yeah. We got time. We'll bide our time, but it's happening. Oh, wait, it happened. With the architecture, architecture banana. Oh, the, it's the, happening. The banalial, <laughs> but the bananal. Mm. I can't. I had. I had like woke up today having a good dream about how I was gonna go to Documenta. Yeah. Yeah. In five years, when is it? Two years now? No. For, it's in 2017. We're. I'm gonna go to Berlin. <laughs> yeah. I have so a yeah. Whole plan. See, so if you were in the audience, <laughs> you would have gotten picked to go to Berlin. It's just happened right now. <laughs> We're going to go to Berlin. We I all, had a dream about it, basically. Nice. Andre, you also pointed out the Havana Biennial repeatedly takes place every three years, or it's that's its plan <laughs> is three years, in a, even though it's called the Biennial. Is that correct? They aren't terribly strict about this spacing. because it's like, spacing. you know, Cuba. It's like cigars and <laughs> oh, like the geez. beach and stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, <Just kidding>. so... <laughs> Um, so th- this happens a lot on the podcast where we kind of just trail off in different directions. I was hoping for those digressions to happen. So, so you didn't have to say anything? I know. So I don't have, I don't have anything. <laughs> I didn't plan anything. No agenda. Awesome. Um, so, so is there anything you'd like to talk no, about? No, like what, why oh, don't you go through and tell know, us about but, every work yeah. and explain it okay. to me so I don't have to read any of the materials. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to work. We'll for start it. with you. We'll start with yours. Let's read. I was oh, yeah. really excited about your checklist um, contribution here. So yes, we are. We literally have a pod in the show. Yeah, iPod for listening. Well, we'll start with the first, the first item here. Here. <laughs> Can you believe they already had computer dating in the '60s? Postcard sent between Valentine's Day and April Fools, 2015. And the last thing Eric said before you left was, "Make sure these get stuck on the wall." <laughs> make sure they get secured. And we did that. <laughs> we got some extra special command strips for the piece. Um, so there's that. Second one. iPod for listening to podcasts, 2015. iPod Nano. Second generation, designed by Apple in California, assembled in China. Navigation click wheel, capacity 2, 4, and 8 gigabytes. Model number and date introduced, A1199, 2006-2009. Serial number, YM7251USWL3. Manufacturing date, June 22, 2007. Ship date, June 20, 2007. And this is is the best part here. The iPod Nano product... Red special edition is an iPod Nano second generation, available in red with a four gigabyte or eight gigabyte drive capacity. With each iPad Nano product, red <laughs> purchased, ten dollars from the sale goes directly to the Global Fund to fight AIDS in Africa. Issue: device only powers on when connected to power. Steps to reproduce: observe device immediately powers off when con- disconnected from power source. Battery passes power to device, but it cannot hold charge. Cosmetic conditions, slight separation in layers of display, dent in enclosure at lower corner, near headphone port, rear of enclosure has custom engraving reading, quote, there are worse things than being alone. Quoted from Bukowski, Charles, oh yes, collected in war all the time, 
1981 to 1984, first published in 1984. Resolution, De devices vintage, obsolete, and cannot be serviced. Third if piece. If you say yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do. And then last one, Der Liebsigerstein, rock purchased from a vending machine. So one thing a lot of people ask me when I give them their tour is mm -hmm. why is the date in the future? That's what I said <laughs> in the video with that we haven't shown anybody okay. yet. It's not. It's just that crazy German handwriting. It's 2014. Oh. It looks like 2016. Okay. And I was like, is it a rock from the future? Mm -hmm. it but it's just that really flowery German handwriting. Oh, I thought you were talking about the date that the iPod was manufactured on June twenty second, two thousand seven. No, if you it was read shipped the label, on June twentieth, two thousand seven. The, the rock has a label. Well, like I mean both of these products it was, are from it the was future. put together upon arrival. When you unbox it, then that's is when it assembled? Yeah. Viewer, so the rock is from the future the and so is the iPod. The iPod is from the future of the, the past. past. Yeah. <laughs> well cause what cause so the rock is it appears to have come from this coming Christmas, which has not occurred. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, the, it looks like it says tw December 26th. It says the 26th of December because it's German. Uh, 2014, but it looks like it says 2016. Oh, cool. Yeah, and then the other thing is that according to the, the records you know on the... what's crazy? That what? will be the past eventually, and then no one will ask that anymore. Right. But see, that's the other thing is the iPod, its data is that it was... Shipped on the 20th of June in 2007, but its manufacture date is the 22nd of June, two days Whoa. after it was sent. Which, which one is right? I don't know. I mean, that's the official record on the device, so we have to assume that that's accurate. How did you <laughs> Where is this information? information? Did you open it up? Yeah. No, I, uh, I looked up the serial number. And that's what Fair it enough. says. Cool. <laughs> it was designed by Apple in California, but where was it made? It was assembled in China. Assembled in China. That was in the that was in the quote. Oh. But where was paragraph. it? But where was it manufactured? Where, oh, you're right. Shenzhen. It was put together in China, but where was the parts made? Probably about, also okay. China. But where? Probably Shenzhen. That's where the oh. Apple factory is. Was that where it was in 2007? Mm. Where's our? You have a fact, judges. You have a fact checker. Fact checker. Fact checker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Need no Apple factory location. Two thousand seven. So this ten dollars of this iPod went to the global f fund, fund, fund right? Aids. Yeah, we should look that up and see what the value is now. <laughs> what? How is the ten dollars? So, yeah. How is that appreciated? Yeah. You should have just spent that your on a moral, rock yeah, at the your, Venice Biennale. That was a waste. Moral en enjoyment is now invested. It's accrued. It's accrued, yeah. Because that $10, that's $10, $2,007 or what, $20, $2,012 or whatever year it is. <laughs> <laughs> also, global aid in Africa is Hold solved, on, I have to so check the year. <laughs> it doesn't say the year on the front of my phone. Oh, no. I'll check it later. I always think about that with flyers because I was looking at, you know, uh, around three walls, we do have beautiful flyers from the past to look at. Um, oh, yeah, that's from the, are you talking about the flyers I have over there? Yeah. Yeah. Those are a collection from probably when we were an undergrad together around oh, wow. that time because people stopped making flyers. But it's yeah. probably from about 2000 to 2005. Nice. Do they say the year on any of them? Most don't. 
Yeah, because I think that because when you're making the flyer, like I've made flyers and you're like, well, it's now. So why do I need to say what year it is? But then it's it's a weird decision, because if you put the year on it, then you're like, I'm making ephemera that should be held on to. Like, you're like, this is a document. This is so important. You're going to want to know what year it came from. Yeah. yeah. And you can't conmari it then. Why? Because it has importance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Importance is, not, uh, importance is not the criteria. It's That's whether true. joy is sparked. Yes. Correct. So what, yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit about your KonMari journey? My KonMari journey? Someone, something a about... A story of Brandon. Yeah. KonMari journey. Um, there's, I don't know. Not much of a journey. More of a... Um, well, because you introduced me to the concept of it. The concept of KonMari. Or you told me about a remember. book. Oh, like the, you told me that you, you had already KonMari'd the book back to Amazon before anyone yeah, else had so even gotten it. Yeah, so word of this book. So I have this like, I have this idea that I might be a reverse hoarder, but I'm really not. I do keep things. Um, but oh, reverse hoarder in that you get rid of Get rid of things stuff. and like I've been. You live in like a Kanye West style like Corbusier house that has no, no. things in it. No. <laughs> Um, I've never actually Kanye has always taken out the trash. Mm. <laughs> no, he lives in like a really minimalist, oh. like modernist house. Well, it's because it's so huge. You can spread your stuff out. No, he has no stuff oh. in it. It's all yeah. white. Well, the <laughs> funny because the KonMari was not referenced, but alluded to in Douglas Copeland's article in Eflux. Was it Eflux? And he said that curators he knows, and there's a picture of Klaus Biesenbach there. And it's nice. like this white cube box he's sitting in next to a window and uh the idea that, that the, his office or his house it's his house or apartment <laughs> and his uh that curators never collect things because they don't want to be influenced mm. too much or something like that mm. but um but i got uh made it was made aware of it through martha rossler's facebook um status update where she mentioned this book whoa and um, so I went and bought it. And Wait, was she like, hey, guys, this has changed my life or something? No, it was just there, and there wasn't any more to it. And, um, but it intrigued me, and I bought it, and it was like, yeah, I did buy it on Amazon for like 7 bucks. I read it in like 40 minutes in bed, <laughs> and then immediately I proceeded to then resell it back to Amazon or return the book to Amazon, and they – and Did you get like a trade-in value or no, something? No, what they said was like, oh, it's, um, you can have, you can get your money back and you can keep the book or donate it or whatever. So I then sold it back to them. So I made money on the deal. Oh, so you returned it and said it's not worth yeah, sending it back this, to us for the shipping? This has happened a number of times, one of which is, well, was a Wait, PlayStation like 3. A yeah, it's a weird quick scheme. That it I is kind of, that. yeah. Yeah. Or you order stuff. No, the, yeah, you order stuff, but you've got to know kind of what to say and... What the, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, don't that's say sad. it here because we don't want to share that yeah, secret, no. and I'll talk to you off mic about Well, that's why, I have, that's why I have a flat screen TV that operates like a 1950s TV and that you have to get up and change the channel on the side of it <laughs> because I got the protection plan on that when I purchased oh. it. And I just used it until it was about time for it to expire. And I was like, yeah, so this... I thought Remote you meant that it, like, it needs time to warm up and it's like it does take a while to turn when on. you first turn it on. It does take a while to turn it's, on, but the main thing is the remote never works and it's not the remote itself. It's something with the way it's assembled. Mm. Uh, also, when you look at it, they put the back on upside down. So like 
you know how you have a plastic so it's a collector's pl- item. Yeah. Yes, you know. <laughs> well, a, based like on that, the reviews uh, like I saw, the stamp. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like the upside down airplane. Yeah, they put the, all the coax cables and the HDMI in and stuff upside down. So. Oh, um, ouch. Yeah. So, but they were like, it's not. They're like, we'll give you a gift card from the store that you purchased it from that you have the extended warranty on, but it's not worth it for us to have you send this computer or this uh, TV back to us. So just. They're like, recycle it responsibly or give it to someone. What an age we live in. So that's how I bought my iPad mini and why I have a TV that I don't use because it doesn't work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but you did this with a PlayStation as well. Yeah, so, I did but you read it. it awesome. Did you just return it because... You read it, used it, and you didn't need it anymore. Well, or part you're of like, it, this is part of it, I was, I a little bit. Life. It was all of that. It was like <laughs> I want to follow what the book is saying, but I also kind of felt like I was getting duped by the kind of guru language of mm-hmm. it. It's very like platitudes and things, but I also believed it. So it's funny, um, but also making money sparks joy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, cool. It I don't does. have to have this, and the books are filling up the shelves. Da da da. And um, but then I did end up buying it again. Oh shit! <laughs> so I have the book again. Oh, what is um, it like a markup now because it's so popular? Um, no, same price. Oh, oh it was oh. on on it was at Target for eleven dollars. Oh. So. And um, we were paying for the immediacy. Otherwise, you have to wait for that drone to strike from Amazon. Because <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when you do when you do an Amazon Prime drone. Delivery, it actually, it has to go to the president's desk and he has to authorize the drone strike. It shoots, it shoots, it shoots the your, book at you. <laughs> <laughs> so did you go through the full, did you do a full cone Mari I on went yourself? Up, I, look, um, well, that just sounds funny. <laughs> um, the, uh, I think we did, I did clothes and then books and then, what's the order again? Papers. Papers. The papers, it was, no, I didn't get to the papers. Okay, yeah. and then kimono, like miscellaneous stuff. Miscellaneous, Still but like. the most important thing not to go through is your photos. Right, that's last. Very much the last thing to yeah. do. So, no, I've not gone through the Miscellaneous is like thing. kitchen stuff and soap and like. Um, yeah. Like old batteries. <laughs> facial, facial cleansers. Extra uh, buttons that come with sweaters that you buy <laughs> i feel like i should mention that if you or anybody has electronic items that have batteries in them they should not be stored with the batteries inside mm. because batteries can burst and then leak battery mm. acid and destroy your objects they also shouldn't be thrown away they should be recycled which you can do on goose island the first saturday of every month in Chicago. this has been a public service announcement about recycling no that's a good point um Except for that we tried to recycle some stuff. We were like, we have a hair dryer. And then they just laughed at That's us. That's e-cycling, dude. That's what they should have said. Bart Simpson was there. That's e-cycling, dude. <laughs> no, Lisa was there. Uh, have you never watched The Simpsons before? No. What's this? I just think of that one where Lisa's like recycling. Oh, yeah. And then burns. they just turned it into a net to catch to whales. Catch, yeah. For the um, little Lisa's cat food. slurry. Yeah, the yeah, little Lisa's slurry. Cat food? It's like cat food in an industrial lubricant. <laughs> the other thing. Does it have a, a crude protein, crude fat, and moisture. crude fiber, <laughs> and moisture? And moisture <laughs> Those are the ingredients in this party mix. I brought the party mix to the party because I know how to get down. But it's cat party mix. Uh, he knows yeah. how to get down with cats. 
boom. Especially cats, cats too. Especially cats wearing sunglasses. <laughs> uh, the only kind of cool cats. So what made you stop at the papers? Um, stop at my at the files and whatnot? Yeah. It's just a lot. Takes, you have to carve out a lot of time yeah. for that stuff. Yeah, you it's know? it's definitely slowed me the down. The one thing that is very important is that it all happens at once. For many mm-hmm. years, it was always like, if I go in a room, I see something needs to get tossed, take the one thing and toss it. Or you go in this room, fix fix up. That's just a slow process. It's not going to, according to her, it's you're never going to be able to arrange enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, you know, maybe it's like I have to just set a date. Yeah. I did get a um, Doxy, which is a document scanner. Highly oh, recommended. nice. Yeah, it's like a sheet feed document scanner. Very, um, you know, um, small footprint and uh, transportable. Use it for some projects. That's cool. But it's very funny because the branding is very gendered. And it's like all these, like the doxy is like high heels and is like this hearts on it. And it's like, wait a second. What? Scan all your love letters. Yeah, something like that. But it's also like, oh, who's who's the one organizing the house? Oh. Because I was thinking like men, men documents. Yeah, men information. That's extreme for your extreme doctor. Like I would have thought the pink, the pink one would have been like notesy. <laughs> jotting down stuff. Yeah. All the like shopping lists. Yeah. yeah, your book club schedule. Yeah, the notesy is like smaller because it's meant for like it's like to the personal correspondent size letter where the doxy is like legal size. Yeah, legal size. Men. You can go all the way to eleven by seventeen. Yeah. No, that is that is funny. Like is yeah, you wouldn't think of it like I was just imagining it was either black or silver like all the paper shredders are. You know? Yeah. And it's neither, it's just like a machine. It's a tool. Yeah. I don't know if I'm still sounding masculine in that description or not. Yeah, you said Couldn't the word you, tool, you're good. You could invite all of your friends over to scan documents and call it a, a, a notesy party. <laughs> that sounds like something a girl wow. would do. <laughs> Especially blonde girls. <laughs> uh, I was thinking that you, they would also come out with an addition that's like a scanner shredder. So oh, like you okay. just feed the document and it, it just scans goes, it and shreds. You get just like, one shot. So yeah, like cool. you misfeed that. Yeah, thing. it's Forget like whoops. It. <laughs> oh well. No, um, like it probably wasn't important anyway. It's that's what Marie Kondo would say. She, well, she's right though, because so so on that like I was trying because um, on in the book she's like you know you can't fight the urge to put stuff away in the middle of the process like you fight have to leave it out there. So actually, that's been making me very upset because I had all these books ready to go. But um, in order to sell them used, I was like working those two days every week. And then I look. And so today, prior to the podcast and my cat uh, fundraiser, I <laughs> conmarried some books. And then I bought things at the cat fundraiser with mm, it. <laughs> it's the money. Um, and then actually I was annoyed because I was double checking the dates and it's like, if you can't make those dates for some reason, contact us and we might be able to arrange when one of the buyers is in the store. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> wait, like two months, like stepping around this pile of books. Um, um, yeah, no, I think it's really crucial that you have to finish everything before you can start storing stuff again, because mm-hmm. I had my mom come over and help me store stuff. And it was like, have you ever played that game rush hour where mm. you're like a little red car in like like gridlocked traffic and you have to be like, okay, well we're going to move this yellow truck up so then we can move the blue truck back and uh-huh. then the yellow truck can go back and then it will like move over. So it was like, 
okay, we have this shelf and there's stuff on the shelf, but if we put the stuff in the shelf inside this drawer, then we could put this other thing inside the shelf and then the... Then, it's like Tetris. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Uh, so you have... Are you talking the, about the physical copy of the game or um, iOS or Android version? Like a physical copy. Okay. Have you ever played... There's like little toy cars and you like... They have little cards oh, wow. and then you set them up and then you can move the cars around. And the thing. Because, but was, was this a time to the Jackie Chan... Chris Rush Tucker no. vehicle. No. Was that Chris Tucker that was in Rush Hour with Jackie Tan? No, that was Drake. <laughs> it's an ongoing joke that I don't know who Drake is, but I know that he's a Torontonian. And you know he wasn't in the movie Rush yeah. Hour. Yes, I do know that. But, um, you had, but I had to think about my house like globally. <laughs> like, you have That's to, like, going in like, the lecture notes. Localization. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to like localize and then globalize. Because if you find a sock in your other closet, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I dropped yeah. a sock behind the, di- the dishwasher, the washing machine. Um, so I had one sock that was just like whatever. So I was like, fine, fuck this sock. Like, I'm KonMari. You can't. One sock. And then I found the other one. <laughs> I had to throw that one away, too. It was oh, really shit. sad. <laughs> yeah, because the idea is that like if you can't find a shirt and then you move past the shirt stage and then you come across a shirt. It's too bad. You probably bad. didn't care enough about that. Yeah, trip. that's true. Um, I didn't respect that rule, and I'm still alive. <laughs> but the thing about Thanks, talking about Ankara. like like that joke, yes, <laughs> um, that my dad would always say that would also piss me off. We were like trying to remember. Oh, I, want, I forgot I was going to say, and then you know your parent or grandparents always like must not have been important. Um, so today I was, you know, preparing my books to bring to the used bookstore, and then there was. Uh, like a one chapter in a book that I had sort of, I wouldn't even, I don't know. It's like this sort of shorthand note taking where you just put, I just put like a vertical pencil line near a paragraph that's important or like a section. And I was just erasing them out. And I never for a minute, did it occur to me to look at any of the things that I'd once thought were like really important. I just was like, erase, 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 erase. Well, you're just writing the line so you can remember, right? Right. It's not so you necessarily go back. The one, the one I did, read the sentence because I actually underlined the sentence and it said uh, it was talking about TV and how TV's filled it makes us feel bad about our lives because it's all about um, what is it dense condensed you know interesting experiences that are more lively than real life and then they said the other thing is that everyone spends most of their time watching TV, which is the least condensed and lively way to spend your life. Ooh. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I erased it. <laughs> um, well, so, but Brandon, you did art about KonMari. So like, what was the impetus? Of I that? think sometimes maybe, I mean, there was an art piece specifically about it, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I think a lot of my... Um, ideas about like art and art objects or art objects in general are correlate with some of these things you're thinking, which is to say that investing your resources in experiences that are ephemeral tend to generate more happiness over time mm. rather than the consumption of objects and then maintaining objects, um, which then your happiness in relation to those objects goes down as has been studied, mm-hmm. right? So thinking about working on projects and performances and projects like this, where it's really about, you know, the process of 
getting things together or working together on things is really what's um, would be the priority over say trying to come up with kind of physical object then you have to deal with as a thing so you make a painting and then or make an object then you've invested the time and money to make that thing and then you've got to invest the time and energy to figure out where that thing goes and then move it here and there and so on so after all yeah. of the years of putting shows together with other people i do have other people's work i've been sitting on for 10 years and i'm like what's gonna happen with this show i'm gonna have to work real hard to make sure everybody gets their work back it's not my space mm. so we're gonna get that work out of here so all that like micro decision making as in terms of what to do with things it's kind of a waste of energy in some ways like but moving like, the material yeah around. moving the materials around like oh where is this gonna like just this rush hour game you mm-hmm. know it's very uh engaging as a game but as reality it's sort of like a it's very stressful but yeah you think about opening a storage unit and the kind of stress that you get when you do that <laughs> it's like a universe, there's a universe of the zhuk, and then it's like <laughs> you're like i need to get something that's back there you know yeah and um all too well good listeners yeah so all too um, well. yeah um yeah but the the, uh, the project that i did which was at side car gallery mm-hmm. um in hammond in hammond indiana and hey, uh, mom <laughs> was to make the piece actually of storage boxes so then i would not have to um then store any work it was already stored <laughs> <laughs> it was like pre-stored before i even had to deal with making anything so the, is there uh, other stuff stored in those boxes like are they right now those? they are just placeholders i guess in the studio Mm-hmm. Um, and some have been given away because then other people can then store stuff in these boxes, which are also art. Um, yeah. So to do a function. Well, and also as a box, it's very easy to break it down and store it as flat, you know? It yeah. Takes I made sure to make space. sure to put the images on the boxes in a way so then you can still use them as boxes and not destroy the image, um, on them. Mm-hmm. So could you just describe the piece a little bit? The piece is a series of um, storage boxes, reused Amazon boxes, where I had um, used a proprietary printmaking technique <laughs> to... Um, of yours or of someone you uh, invented it? Um, or someone else did? I guess I invented it. Yeah, sure. If, if <laughs> purchasing something on Amazon oh, and not saying what it is, <laughs> what you purchased to... To make your object with. If you with. purchased it, yeah. it's yours. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, no, I just want, if, if you invented a printmaking technique that's a secret, I want everyone to know that there's a secret printmaking technique that you invented, but we're not going to tell you. Okay. <laughs> I tell was like, them. I want you to tell everyone yeah. how to do it so it's not a secret. Yeah. Anymore. This isn't how did this get made. This is, I don't hate this. <laughs> I don't hate how this got made. Um, so what I did was to um, research the space we were putting the work in and actually printing the images of a prior installation onto the boxes to then reinstall into the same space the original um, project was. So it was, a, in a way, thinking about how these objects persist in, you know, in our memories through either documentation or photographic way, but also, like, you know, what happens to these objects in terms of, you know, especially for a site-specific installation, what is their impact after, right? So I think a little mm. bit about set design and you, um, in terms of this, we're good enough for the photo, so we, you know, we can make things structurally stand up but not necessarily be 
like per, per, for permanence sake. Yeah, a lot of art installations are turning into that good enough for the photo. Yeah, well, right. there's that, but then also think about pieces that were like um, that where you're renting furniture for a piece, oh, or man. you're renting. So it's like the functionality is temporary. So the experience of the piece is again more important than say, you know, its op- its objectness mm-hmm. per se in terms of it having a certain kind of um, yeah durable physicality that is reliably going to be the same, you know. So um, they, they're not archival, I guess, I would say. They are, they are the archive if you put... If that's you, true. They are the storage. Yeah. What I think is interesting, like, because this show, like, it is also like an anti... What were you saying? An anti-hoarder or something? Like, because mm-hmm. you have... There are pieces of yours in here, but there are, like, two of them or three of them. It's yeah. It's like an actual artwork. And there's like a lot of stuff in this show, but most of it is a lot of it like is you've invited, you brought people, yeah, you've brought people or invited them to be in it. So it's like, yeah, part of um, what I've thought is that my audience and it consists of first the people that I'm collaborating with. So you all are an audience to my work, which mm-hmm. is to work and hang out and think about what we could do together. And so it becomes this funny hall of mirrors, I guess, in a way where now I'm currently guest participant yeah, audience you're on, to your you're our guest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there's this sense of like this back and forth call and response, which I think is the real meat of what I think sustains people's esteem mm-hmm. around what they're doing and also their kind of energy around like what they're doing has, has some meaning. So, the, and the object is not necessarily just a MacGuffin or just a, kind of uh, thing to move the narrative along, but there is, you know, some, you know, point to it, but I think that the objects are not necessarily the priority. So if you look at the objects that I did um, put in the show that I would author as mine, there actually then are objects that refer to um, like a system or a grouping of people or institutions or things like that. I mean, I guess that's how our things function. They're not... Well, we, I'm, I'm not sure how our things function because there's sort of like an inside joke, but part of, oh. part of the joke is that it's in this like highly museological format. Mm-hmm. But then I don't want to just be like, but it's like a joke about like mm-hmm. museums because then that makes me want to die because it's like too ironic for me because I, I like the way that things <laughs> yeah. are displayed museologically sometimes. So it's like... So now I'm having this existential crisis about like why did we do the things we did and and the fact that they're presented completely without context or explanation except for in the checklist and I kept being like at the opening like I was like I think maybe I should just stand next to the art with the checklist and explain it to people I couldn't like go a all the fair. way I, <laughs> I don't know yes, the... exactly like a science fair I couldn't I couldn't let it happen like I couldn't. Christopher Williams are art like I couldn't just like be like yeah whatever it's just like conceptual yeah. and I knew oh, Eric I totally would just like fucking, I just let exactly, it happen I, loved I knew it. Eric would fucking love it and I was like having like an anxiety attack over it because I was like everyone's here and they don't know why they're here they don't know why they're looking at the things they're looking at and it made me really uncomfortable well there's some some part of it maybe we can try to suspend that whole why thing it's really hard you know, mm. which is why I'm always trying to figure out ways to make things functional or have things have some kind of purposeful meaning. But then really when you're just in the moment of having to explain or have, that's like mm-hmm. that's the real kind of challenge and engagement. 
and it can change, you know, like we change around the objects that are static um, in a way. And I think that like what you have is great because it does play off of these things and it's not a critique and it's not a celebration. It is just like real. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was going to, yeah, it definitely became real in doing it where started yeah. as a joke and then it turned real well no that i mean i really enjoy i i mean when i used to make mixtapes i would like write liner notes for it like if like a song had samples and stuff i would like totally talk about this embodies a portion of whatever because i got really into like that labeling and how there's different terms for ways stuff is appropriated and so i had a lot of fun doing the caption for the ipod and, oh yeah, and I when and I like I love thing, I was you know? like I read it and I was like I love it I yeah. love it I I love it <laughs> could it not that was like the only thing I could say it was just like so perfect it was exactly what I was hoping it mm-hmm. would be Which, and then okay, to just so juxtapose that with like a rock that got sold <laughs> <laughs> well and just the fact like people kept looking at that iPod all night like oh what yeah the hell? <laughs> no that was the bet well and then I like saw someone like leaning over and squinting to read it and then he you know he read it and then he like leaned back and he's like I don't know if I agree with that <laughs> <laughs> I was like yes <laughs> we reached them or did we I don't know we made something happen <laughs> something took place so yeah yeah well okay but so my question like globally <laughs> about the show is that Eric spent like a lot of time talking about how much he hated how the Venice Biennale was like a set of people who like just collaborate with their friends and, and do this thing because they can and they're like, Hey, I'm going to be in the Venice Biennale. Do you want to be in a thing with me and do it like a thing? Um, but then that is a lot of the feel of this show. And I feel like that's my, my part of the participation. And it's like, well, you're like, oh, cool. Brandon could be on our show. And then you're like, oh, I don't, you just have, I don't hate this in the show. And now I'm like, now I'm in the show and I'm going to like tell everybody. <laughs> and I'm so excited about it. But then I'm also like, do I deserve this? I don't know. It's just because I know Brandon because we wanted you to talk about your past. You know, this, this question is very, um, yeah, has come up and we're actually going to be doing a formal, semi-formal conversation around this idea of new nepotism and, you know, so I'm not going to try to new nepotism. Yeah, I don't know. So that's going to happen on Thursday. So people people can come. (laughs) Well, you have power and influence, but I'm just thinking about like, like these artists run spaces, (laughs) these artists run spaces that don't have money or power, like being nepotism. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. That's, I mean, I think when you're like, oh, compared to the Venice Biennale, this is not the Venice Biennale. (laughs) Like for me, it's not, I have to go. uh (laughs) It's like, and the hope that, you know, some of these issues are, they're relevant to think about, but also that it's, would not completely invalidate the idea. Like, oh, like I have people that I've worked with that it's like, again, a call and response, maybe like figure out a way to collaborate again on another project. And like, I guess it's like, I'm like it, some people might feel like, oh, this is a way to validate people's practices. And it's really Mm -hmm. like, I'm not trying to be a gatekeeper or try to make a survey or make some kind of uh, authoritative, um, you know, judgment about what's valid to look at in this time. This is just kind of an, uh, an experiment, but also a kind of, um, you know, collection of just, you know, a kind of snapshot of a very organic process of, you know, thinking and talking to people. And sure, there's plenty of people that could have been in this show and there's people who maybe shouldn't have been, maybe, I don't know. And it's, 
So it's like, yeah, I guess, no, no, but I mean, I, I guess the point is, it's like, we could try to go through this and immediately try to pick apart things that are wrong with it. And I think that's super, you know, good and good to be critical. But I think at the same time, it's like, um, to look at the, um, the idea that we can try to put things together in a way together to show, um, an embodiment of some of these, um, energies that we're you know, producing. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, whether it's nepotism or not, that, I mean, there are people who are my friends in this show and there are people I've never met before who I've felt like through my intuition or through research that they should be included to do a certain thing. And, and, um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a very complicated question. I think it's good that you raise it. Um, but it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, well, I got access. I'm going to get all these people opportunities. It's not really that. I mean, there's an element right. of that. Well, I mean, this might as well be the ben- Venice Biennale as far as, I'm con- as, far as my exhibition history is concerned. Um, so, so, yeah. So, I guess it's like my hope is with uh, my, you know, month, couple months of meetings with people and hanging out mm-hmm. and, you know, that there is a sense where in the, in the vein of thinking about what a third space is, which is, you know, what the show is referencing is this idea that, you know, there are many ways to participate in like a third space and not everyone has to be the center of attention. Not everyone has mm. to be performing at full high capacity at every single given moment. Not everyone has to constantly be, you know, taking charge and knowing what everything's about. And there's different ways to be in society. And I think then everyone should be able to feel good, like, regardless of their position in any given moment. And we were talking about this earlier with students, like, oh, yeah. Oh, the student who never talks doesn't mean they're not participating. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think that. Yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. I mean, they're not participating in a certain way, but everyone has a certain way in their personality right. and how they uh, engage. And I think that that's really important to acknowledge that not the loudest person is always should be mm-hmm. getting things. So it's I don't know. I mean, it's maybe yeah. this a little bit um, muddled right now, but I think that figuring out a way to make a case for the non spectacular thing to be sort of thought of as like somewhat valid in this world and it's really hard to kind of always be com- um, bombarded with this i mean thinking about this quote oh tv is li- like the spectacular amazing lives that are being led on tv and you're consuming them from a very passive yeah mm-hmm. point of view is like very kind of central to people's experience of their own social reality in terms of social media and that's very personal to me because i think it's very um it gives me a very i get me in a very despondent mode but also yeah. I don't, I feel like the things that happen to me on social media are happening to me in real life, or at least I react as strongly as many of you have seen (laughs) and heard heard in light of certain social media interactions with certain angry art people. Um, I know it like really, and, and that's why I have sometimes difficulty with people being like, it's like we're texting more, but communicating less. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I felt like I really yeah. had yeah. those experiences. Um, they feel as real to me as some. Yeah, but, but they're real. But then the idea that they're somehow, there's like a, they're more, they have more significance or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, I mean, this part of me, my interest in this is that we're like, we, I made a statement before, and you were like, you should mention that. Where it's like, you're all podcast listening to it, and it's like the ease in which you speak, but actually, if you mm-hmm. see what we're doing and how intensely set up this is, there's something kind of, there's kind of an achievement here, because it's just like, again, this is like the first or second time I've been mm-hmm. taped, and it's like, oh, 
So how do you get to that space? I think is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It takes a little while. Yeah. Well, that takes a little while to like have a conversation when we're actually got these like semi-transparent black discs in front of our faces with these armatures and stuff. And your you voice know? is amplified. Yeah, and, it's, and yeah. the headphones. And and I just this does I mark freak out one so year much anniversary before. of the podcast. By what? Oh, Whoa! Everyone sing happy birthday. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's our podversary. Um, yeah, what I like what I like about the the show too is, or as you were saying a lot, describing a lot of this stuff, I was thinking about like the the ambiguity that's really interesting. Um, in two two ways two major ways um the first is like yes all these people are being included but you're also like uh because like this stuff's happening i'm like i need to tell people i do this stuff and then like i always have trouble like promoting it or whatever and you need you know i have to think about my brand social media is like feels like reality to me i have no problem with but it put it but it puts you at a loss because you're like how do I like? I'm. I guess I should. You're just. I'm part of the great good place. Did I say that right? Yes. <laughs> great good place. It. Yeah. Because um, you're like, like, because you're kind of at a loss for words just to like position yourself in it. If you're trying to be like, uh, you know, elevator speech and you know, bragging, where you're like, so whatever was going on at Venice Biennale, however obtuse or, uh, ex, you know, peripherally. Uh, you could say, well, I was in the Venice Biennale or something, Never, but this, but you're like, well, I'm in. Or they'll be like, that, those people in that Francis Stark video, and they'll be yeah. like, the art Biennale or yeah. the video Biennale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, uh, well, how, so you're like, yeah, I'm participating, but then you're like, if you try to like put that as a resume line or something, like it's very ambiguous, like like just even like Philip von Zweck's mm-hmm. contribution, which is like his gallery that he runs out of his office at work put together a reprise of a show that was the first show he did and invited these people and like it becomes this weird like and that's on that's in a in a, a space show in inside this a gallery. show yeah. yeah and so you're like how do i tell people this and then i so then my response was like in, i just better not say anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you're that's the thing there's no place, but you're also in philip's show right yeah so it, it's sort of on the one hand it's inclusive but like the questions of nepotism or like gatekeeperness it sort of sabotages the like clear you know concise way of bragging about something <laughs> where you can say well i got put in whatever and you're like uh I'm I'm part of Brandon's thing, you know. So then it'd be it yeah, forces but all it to the be people casual. That, like a that. lot of the art people, I was like, I don't hate this. My my podcast that I co-host is going to be in Brandon's show, and like nine times out of ten, and by that I mean I only told that to like two ten people. people? Oh. No, like two people, <laughs> two people. They were like, man, I wanted to be in Brandon's show, and I was like, ha ha. So one person I mean, and most of the second person felt that way. Yeah. <laughs> that person mostly felt that way. Yeah, they didn't, right, they didn't come out and say it. They just mostly felt like that. Um, no, I'm just kidding, but like, yeah. But, but, I, but, so but I, I, I guess I feel opposite because, well, I, I, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm happy to participate, say, but it's just funny. I know Brandon through like an art context, mm-hmm. but I know you through a friendship context mm-hmm. that is also an art context. Yeah. But then, so I guess the nepotism is that I know you. Right. That's how yeah. I got this podcast. Cause, yeah. Because you know Andre, who produces right. podcasts. Yeah, you well, owe me everything, baby. I Everywhere I go, I was like, I know Eric Wenzel. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then they... <laughs> I should make a point of uh, stating that there is no value to this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. We make... We lose money on this podcast. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's part of the whole... 
you know, part of what I'm, I don't know, like the, not goal, but part of my thinking is like, oh, wow, this like getting things. It's like, wait a second. It's like always already happening. So we might as well just have this right. sense of it's like what we're doing is real and we don't have yeah. to like try to validate it. But then it becomes weird because it's like this whole ICI thing and I got accepted then and yeah. the show Three Walls is like West Loop. But at the same time, it's like, how do you bring those down and bring everybody up? How do you yeah. kind of like de-hierarchy? Well, yeah, that's, that was the other ambiguity I liked about this show too is that it's not, it's doing a lot of stuff that gets called social practice, but it's not saying it's doing anything good or bad or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not like this is a show about of propositions for ways to, make to the world better. Yeah. To like use art as a way to clean water or something. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> like, it's Perrier. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, there, it's there. yeah. We don't need to clean water because we are to have um, Exactly. Yeah. So problem solved. Um, no, but I, I like that, like, cause it's, it's not making claims in one direction or the other. Well, I, I had a question because you do keep sort of saying like hanging out, like we were having a meeting about it and then we were hanging out and that's part of kind of the text of the press release and like talking about here, I'll read an excerpt and I'll find it. From the um, brochure. Yes. Chicago's, I think that's a little different than the press release. But this was the same text. The that press was. release oh. is printed in the brochure. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Boom! I, was, I was trying, I was trying to, I to know what press release when I see one. <laughs> I was trying to boost the, uh, the brochure text, but okay. I withdraw that. Okay. It says the exhibition within the exhibition will take inspiration from Chicago's make do and artist run culture and reconsider a range of contexts from the one car garage workshop, the living room sleepover, the backyard BBQ blowout or nightclub as the case may be the networking dinner party potluck the closet office conference the second bedroom studio visit to the illegal basement nightclub all sides of artistic inquiry i uh, i just feel so (laughs) pessimistic about chicago and the fact like is it wishful thinking that those things work i mean i think that you would say no but i i sometimes feel like when they're working they're working and when they're done, they're done. And so there's not a claim to a permanent solution to things, but that you actually can, we could try our best to really feel good in the moment. You know what I mean? And I think it's really, it's, it's very difficult in this time, right? Sort of talking about earlier, oh, I can't go out because this stuff happened in Paris. Like, I can't go out. But it's like, well, how is it that we can, like, have any kind of feeling of, um, like, yeah, I don't know. Like the idea that we can maybe be be open to letting go for a moment and it not in an uncritical way where that's frivolous, but there's always that grain where you're like, wow, the art is like super frivolous, right? Like, yeah. Oh my God. But then, yeah. so how do you think of it in a way where it's not the only reality, but it's a reality that you can go to to then recuperate mm-hmm. spiritually, emotionally? And often through maybe not the object, but through the conversations around an object or making objects or experiences happen. So again, it's the great good place is like meant to function as a space that is not the pervasive reality, but a reality that is parallel to the reality of working and work and home. Well, and that's the place. Yeah. That like to jump on what you're saying, like that's the place you go to be able to face all the other stuff. Like the great good places where you go to have, you know, an intelligent conversation for once instead of whatever your 
work conversations are. You know what I mean? Like that's the place you go to talk to the people, you know, to get real or something, you know, like yeah, talk but about I, the way I definitely, you want to feel. And I definitely, part of my cynicism comes from the fact that I, it's hard to find them. So not every, mm-hmm. not every place that is a, a basement gallery or oh, sure. part is the great good place yeah no absolutely it's find, very and then i get so discouraged because i'm like who are these people and what are they where, doing and I hate how everything. come they're not letting me get inviting me right yeah that's that's exactly the interesting thing because a lot of those mentalities are have been easily co-opted by places mm-hmm. where it's like oh we're gonna go to this thing it's gonna be super cool but then you realize wait a second it's just a real shallow yeah visual interpretation of yeah. a very chill environment and i think like or it's chill for the five people putting it on yeah yeah well and i i felt really overwhelmed at this opening oh that's what's so ironic the opening is not it was was silly because it's not a what's being proposed it's very spectacular and i was like and i'm like i gotta get ice i kept getting ice like all (laughs) all night long getting ice so you know but it was so overwhelming and there were so many people there that i was like oh i'm not talking to her (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that sounds really so who's bad. Excluding if you were, who now? No, is there, I, no, I know, no, that's not true. That I there was a lot of people there that I was like really happy to see it. I was like, mm-hmm. I actually know a ton of people here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was like people who I didn't actually know, but I recognized, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it totally was the inverse of that. Yeah. So that's the that's to have. I mean. Like to have the opening is a kind of expectation in the art context mm-hmm. and things, but like, how do you fig- how do you locate or how do you create a space that does have the f- the comfort or feeling of home, but also the kind of engagement fight. of right engagement of work, but without any of that pressure of either, right? And I, I mean, think that, that sounds like impossible. <laughs> it does. It does. It's totally <laughs> it's totally difficult. But wasn't well, that what you're saying? You can't really set out to make it. It just it, when it happens, it That's happens. You set a condition. You you can try to set up conditions where this can happen, and it can happen anywhere. It's like our, mm-hmm. you know, Eric and I hanging out in Starbucks. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, well, Starbucks right? is our great. Good it place is. Too. Yeah, it's really strange because Starbucks is one of the first big companies to really try to. I mean, they have text that's obviously lifted from some of this language put into their mm-hmm. advertising. Well, they're trying to and, create mm-hmm. that. Like this is a coffee shop, like the Austrian coffee shops mm-hmm. of. Like your the avant-garde yeah. <laughs> but i have country. to say that i mean that's why i have i like starbucks better than most uh independent small business young creative entrepreneur coffee shops because when i go to those places i feel like it's populated by people performing the cool coffee shop where it's Starbucks, it really is people that are like, I need to be on my computer. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like those are my people, even though I don't, I don't talk to either group, but I don't, I feel in, in their non-communication with me, the patrons of Starbucks, I, Starbucks, I feel more welcomed in that. I, I don't feel immediate, uh, actively put off where when you go to sort of quote unquote, like hip, coffee places or something you know where there's like, like writers writing things and things yeah and that's it's just what you gotta like go- everyone's like dressing up to look cool to be at the coffee shop for three hours <laughs> while they're not looking for jobs and they're unemployed or something you know what i mean like there's this like they're not talking <laughs> to me either to but starbucks to be unemployed <laughs> right yeah. right that i'm like, like well i i feel no, you safer gotta go to julius Meinl because it is yeah. like those austrian coffee shops of yore and they have the yeah. newspapers on that like wooden dowel that holds the newspapers i love that <laughs> shit <laughs> 
They bring you a little biscuit and like a toffa vasa with your tea. Oh, that's the best. No, that is a good, that's a good restaurant, but you can't hang out there for hours the way you can at Starbucks. And what I'm saying is I feel safe leaving my phone out or whatever using the restroom. I feel safe using the bathroom without buying anything at Starbucks. Right. Yeah, because they never yeah. once say you can't yeah, do that. That's true. And it's, yeah, you also feel safe where you're like, I don't have to pack up everything and carry it with me into the bathroom. Like, I feel like the person I at the table. I think you probably should. I got to be honest with you. Barnes and Noble used to be like that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So there, there are places like, where it's like, I feel much more unsafe that some fucking hipster is going to steal something of mine if I use the restroom at like a hip place. <laughs> well, I guess, Brandon, do you think that that is just like part of either the the condition of this time or just the fact that being an art artist, it's hard to find connection in the world? Or do you think it's a Chicago specific problem or like, where do you think this, the finding the great good place is like? I think, I mean, when this conversation started in the book that is referenced, um, that references the short story by Henry James, uh, was an anti-suburbanization text. So the idea that people were always having to drive vast distances to go to a place where people were congregating, but now mm. ev- everything is kind of switched where urban centers and urban places are like ostensibly full of these kind of places, right? So, but, the, but the, what ends up happening is oftentimes the fuss in which these things are presented and executed does get into a place where it is super spectacular and super like through cost, but also through theatricality and things like that. So artists are in this position where it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's like something about how do you, um, I mean, space is, space is expensive, you know? Yeah. So it's like you, you open your, you open your lives to people and it's like the idea of who's public. If your public is only a few people that are, that you know, that's still a public. And I don't know, trying to, trying to serve like every single person is, a is, it's hard, you know. Yeah. Speaking I, as speaking as people who are trying to promote a podcast, how do you build a public? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a public to not I think just it's, be just, it's like know? cheesy, but I'm like you just need to be yourself, you know. Like <laughs> at a certain point, Check. it's like the but my mentality of over time has been thinking about what growth is about and whether growth in numbers and size is actually what what is the criteria in success, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you have 100 people come or five people come what is the depth of that engagement with those individuals which is why i say like the my initial audience are the people i'm working with because i work pretty deeply we've been hanging out a lot more lately so you get the sense of um what this is all about through that and then you have a casual observer who sees an an image of a photoshop image of a neon on facebook is going to get something else so there's something that's it's there's no one way to enter into this conversation so part of it is like you know, I don't know. There's, when I, that's yeah. what I like about having the different programming going on because it's going to be different spaces. Like mm-hmm. those are going to, those are well, hopefully the and, conditions for great good places to take place. And here. now that I'm participating in one of them, I feel like this, we've made the great good place right now, right here. Right. But when I was like, you're like, yeah, well, we're going to activate the space with like different activities. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> yeah. not again. Wait, so it just like seems wait, like such you, a. Are you talking about the actual physical space and time that we are in right now yeah. or the virtual one that the listeners are oh, going to be engaging in we'll later see, on? That's oh, very shit. now. I think it's both. 
because they can listen. Yeah, we're having that right now in this conversation. It's but actually, perpetual. that's every why time I like, we turn this on, it could be. That's why I like this is a very interesting conversation. That's now. why I like yeah. listening to podcasts so much. Actually, is like because it is like a virtual hangout. Like they're the podcasts you really enjoy. You're like. I want to listen. I want to have this conversation with this episode or something. And you're sort of like, today I'm feeling like a John Hodgman day, or I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you're sort of. <laughs> well, and you I, know, and I have like, to like not, you know, yell out things or. Sorry like, for budge, mar- budge marketing, buzz marketing. John Hodgman, I know he hates that. <laughs> I don't know enough about John no. Hodgman. To know He's, that. He has this PC running guy. thing about. Yeah, the PC guy. Yeah, about he no buzz marketing P- on he his. He has not been a PC guy since like 2005, but that's like everyone knows oh, What does like. he say? He refers to himself as like a former minor television celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, he, huh. he's always saying, there's no buzz marketing in my court unless it's uh, Moxie Soda. <laughs> he's a big fan of Moxie. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think actually you can, because a, a, a great good place can be the space between your ears. Because um, I, I mean, like, I really do. There are like podcasts where it's like I enjoy taking part of that as a listener, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's like why. Well, it's, and that's what we were trying to answer. Like, who is this podcast for? Mm-hmm. And it's for those kinds of people that like listening to those podcasts. They're like two hour long conversations yeah. with people being like, blah blah blah. Yeah. No, I think that blah. sounds like something I'd say. <laughs> and when I listen to it, I'm like, that does sound like something <laughs> I'd say. But I didn't know I sounded like this when I said it. Oh. Ja. <laughs> Um, so. but, but I guess maybe to wrap it up, I don't, I don't know if we feel uh, plugs. No, no, no. I'm not there yet. Oh, yeah. not, I'm not there yet. Unplug it. Unplug. You guys always skip plugs. Yeah. I never skip the. I always. You oh you. Oh, no, you're right. I do like skip act- the plugs. Okay, wait. <laughs> but I'm not done. Okay. I guess. I never wait. Yes, I, I do. do. I, I always do. do. I do. Okay. But I guess, like, what is your vision for Chicago, or how do you think Chicago's communities relate to other artist-run spaces nationally, globally, globally? <laughs> I think that or, there, I've noticed something. Are we doomed? Is what I'm no, I maybe, maybe not. But I think one characteristic I've noticed, which this show we are participating in right now is part of is is always this kind of self-awareness which an anxiety an anxiety but also a kind of like we're always taking stock of what's happening in the chicago artist run scene and this this definitely i feel really bad for like having inadvertently just participated yeah but the thing is that a lot of the time is that again it's like trying to think about histories and things whereas what i wanted to approach this as a more of an embodiment of these things rather than like, I mean, there are pieces of ephemera and references to other spaces, but I think like to have the space just be a space, um, was, and, um, but yeah, but I think the self-consciousness is, is, um, you know, every year there's a show that has this topic and it has this as is. So it, it, for good and bad, which is to say like we have a history and people can have kinship through generations, um, or can inspire people to feel like, oh, we don't, I don't have to like wait for the gatekeeper to let me in. And then they can put on their survey of artist run mm-hmm. spaces in 2016. Well, yeah, yeah, it is nice, like you were saying, like to, for it to be real for a minute. Or maybe that was something you said and then I was thinking of it. I don't know if that actually was said. <laughs> but the idea of, you know, these things taking place in that, in that moment being what it is not, it being a step back and saying this this is what it looks like when people yeah have fun like to you know to not watch tv to to 
be the thing on TV or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to, to actually have that moment of living or engagement. Yeah. The, the, my, I mean, the ultimate, you know, exciting goal would be that people who weren't invited to this still feel like they were part of the show. Mm-hmm. That's like pretty big. Like people came and they're like, oh, God, this is amazing. And I feel great. This is very joyful or what have you. Whether they were bullshitting or not, it doesn't matter. Like, it's fine. Probably no. But the <laughs> point like, is that... I want that people to have a good time even if they're like, even they didn't and they fake. just told me yeah. they did. I mean, people would say, oh, like, then I'll have a good thank time. you for having me in your show. And it's like, yeah. so I get curated by a curator to organize a show that had someone who curated another curator who then had... Yeah. So it's like this constant this multi- multiplication effect. Yeah. So, so people are connected to each other in different ways. So it's like this little Petri dish, I suppose. But the idea that, yeah, a visitor comes and like, oh, yeah, I understand what this is about. Like, I also participate in this way in some way outside of this, you know? Mm-hmm. So this like whatever happens within these walls is not necessarily where hopefully that... Um, it's like you don't have to... Like you don't only if you were religious, you don't just pray at church, you know, right. this kind of thing where it's like outside yeah. you can still think about some of your ideals and some of your um some of your, you know, passions or what have you outside of the space that is a sanctioned art place, you know, or sanctioned hangout zone or sanctioned um so yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. I think that's a good place to to leave you thinking about. Don't think just don't just think about it in the context of listening to this podcast, take that with you. Yeah. And, um, but if you do the download it first, so then you don't use your data. <laughs> yeah. <right>? That streaming's <laughs> going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So plugs. Eric, I believe is in uh, a show called, uh, cage unrequited. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, next Saturday <laughs> and Sunday at the MCA in Chicago. Yeah. I'm going to be, in some way, shape, or form, reading a portion of a publication of writings of John Cage organized by William Pope. L. L. <laughs> <laughs> um, as is Andre uh, in his own scheduled time <laughs> slot. 12.54 uh, a.m. on Saturday night. Be there, be there. Uh, is the museum going to be open for 25 hours? I don't know. <laughs> The museum will be open, yes. Oh, okay. So we can go there. And uh, Pod's, Pod's friend, uh, how would we call this? Uh, Eleanor Russell of Sister Cast, Noisy Ghost, um, Podspert. No, that's an expert on podcasts. Uh, Compadriot. Oh, she's oh, one. Of, oh, yeah. Boom. That's good. Um, we'll also be involved in this. Um, so that's going to be cool. Uh, that'll be another thing I'm hitching my wagon to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, are you also in that other show with Bob? Is that over? <laughs> with the video? The thing in Cuba. Oh, um, I was in a show in Cuba. Oh, but it's over. But it's over. But I'm going to be putting the video on Vimeo uh, to share. But I wanted it to first screen there. It was good. And I Don't Hate This will also be curating the uh, 2017 Whitney Biennial. (laughs) Yes, that was a great announcement. I forgot to tell everyone about that. Um, We also wanted to plug our other sister of the Callum Media Empire, which is Fucking Delightful, the new video series by Asia Saunders. Yes, that's right. Uh, If you go to her YouTube channel, which is called Fucking Delightful, you can see episode two, which is up now, uh, where she describes back pain and how she uh, went to cupping. Oh. It's fucking delightful. <laughs> and uh, Brandon, I believe you have a big show. What? Which one? 
the the one here. This oh, one. the one here. <laughs> yes. Open until us- December twelfth. We have yeah. a few pieces of programming still to come. Um, check the website three walls three dash walls dot org. And we That's have with two L's. We figured out last L's. episode because oh. <laughs> I spelled it wrong. And the dot emoji. Yeah. The dot emoji. Um, hovering dot. Um, so there will be programming every Saturday until the end of the show, December 12th, which will also be the release of a publication uh, slash catalog for the show and the website release. So. Can you give us a little yeah. taste of some of the other programming? Taste of the programming. Tastes like uh, acrylic paint. Um, on yeah. canvas, which a bunch of people. Um, Not so, paint, which is so next egg. Saturday, November twenty first, will be um, Domino Domino Tournament, which is hosted by the Franklin, and that'll be from eleven thirty to whenever all the games are done, which consists of their house favorite style of dominoes fives. So artists have been asked to contribute works to wager in domino tournament and win each other's artworks. So that'll happen November 21st. And then this... Then so wait, does the tournament work in that there's one win. winner of the tournament and they get all the art? I think that well, we, we, I, we did, I did consider proposing that as a super massive tournament winner prize, but I think... Um, it will just be game by game. Game by game. So wait, do you, do you like bring something to wager? All the artists art. have already. Uh, uh, what yeah. you see hanging in the gallery. See, are that, the see art. that collection of artwork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Though I suppose there's not a even um, number or divisible by four, so I will have to have more works or not play all the works or something. But or the bet exact two works. Bet two works down. for one. Um, but Rematch, I do like I'll the idea both. of like a massive one person gets everything that yeah. might be also kind of interesting, but. We'd have to figure out because that's going to make one really great good day for someone, and, and then a yeah. really shitty day for everyone else. <laughs> but isn't that how the art world's supposed to work? Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's exactly it. Winner takes all. It's kind of yeah, that is that's true. Mm. Yeah, okay. I'll bring it up. Um, well, is there you... anything else? So we've, we're doing the uh, the Saturday painters on Sunday, or the Saturday, Saturday paintings on Sunday, December fifth. Um, so come with your painting uh, overalls if you want to come paint, and that'll be still life genre. I believe. And then also we have a couple conversations happening in the gallery uh, November 19th, uh, which will be with Inside Within, hosting two conversations with some participants in the show about, again, new nepotism and the other one uh, made at work, which would be uh, focused on the project put together by Philip Von Zweck, Made at Work 2, slash D-Gallery. That Eric's in. That Eric yep. is also in. When I first asked him... Um, Eric's in it, but I was there when he made the work. I wasn't like okay. literally there, but it, like, <laughs> we were working at the same place at the same time, and I did see it. Okay, so, I so wanna, you're... I was like there, you know, like <laughs> okay, cool. in the world, like, it, like I was there. So her understanding of my post-it note <laughs> was and no has checklist. This, this weird optical phrase that says fuck twice or four times <laughs> on it <laughs> is more direct than yours. Yeah. I was there before it was art. That's what I'm trying to say. Nice. Um, Quoth God. (laughs) (laughs) So if you were there before it was art and you want to tell us about it, you can email us at I don't hate this at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at I don't hate this. You can follow our Tumblr, which we'll have our lecture notes, including you have to think about your house globally um, at I don't hate this pod.tumblr.com. 
And uh, please rate, review, subscribe, and like us on iTunes. And Uncluttering is available on Amazon? Yes. Or what is it? Konmari, the magical... The un-magical cluttering Japanese. The ancient... No, is it the the fine art of tidying up? Yes. yes. So go on Amazon and purchase things in order to have fewer objects. And then then return them and then make Make money. money. We're going to talk about that later. Nobody steal my idea. (laughs) I mean, Brandon's idea. I mean, don't worry about it. Okay, bye. (laughs)